it is a very Merry Christmas, hopefully for you guys. But I think that those that are coming today, uh, maybe they have a different perspective of Christmas or maybe they can hear it later. Maybe you managed to escape a little bit. Uh, I had to escape also. I flew today from Sofia uh, due to an intriguing Mercury retrograde situation, but I'll talk about it more uh, later. What I want to do now is actually look at the, at the week ahead, as we always do in the beginning, so you guys can return to your festivities uh, if you so like sooner. So let's see um, what's going on. And again, I'm sorry about the internet right now because I am in a hotel. I had to take a hotel right after the flight so I can make it on time for you guys. So not trying to make you feel guilty, even though the moon is going to be full in cancer, which is the sign of guilt. But I'm just saying that's one of the reasons why the light is kind of jumping and the uh, thing behind me is kind of weird. Anyway. Uh, we are entering Mercury retrograde in Sagittarius. We talked about it for a while that Mercury is now retrograde in Sagittarius. We'll, we'll mention it a little bit later. The week ahead, I think that what's happening today, we have the moon in... Wait a second, you know what? Let's start actually with tomorrow already because it's almost the end of um, uh, today. Let's see. Uh, tomorrow, I mean... Monday, December 25, which is actually Christmas, we have um, a few interesting things. First of all, like I said last week, the sun is sending beautiful energy to Mercury on, eh, sorry, to Jupiter on uh, December 25. It's actually a very good time to get things done, you know, because Jupiter is in Taurus, which is an Earth sign. The sun is in Capricorn, which is an Earth sign. And even the party pooping moon, black moon, Lilith, is not causing too much trouble. I guess she's invited to her demon Christmas, you know, the anti-Christmas. So she's kind of happy. And she's in Virgo. Of course, she's happy to be in Virgo because Virgo can be saying no all the time. And she's very, very happy. She's getting beautiful trines to the sun. She's happy with the sun. She's happy with Jupiter. I mean, God knows, maybe she was invited to Olympus um, for at least Christmas. So anyway... We have on Monday a day that you can actually get things done. I know that you can't re return gifts that maybe are not the right size or the right color and so forth. But overall, there is some flow tomorrow. That's kind of good. Not only that, we have Venus and Neptune sending beautiful energy to each other. Neptune is in the sign. It rules, of course, Pisces, sending a trine to his lower active Venus, who is in Scorpio. She's not too happy to be in Scorpio, but... Anyway, she's getting a big hug from Neptune, which is really good. The only thing is that she has an opposition with Uranus. You know, always there is some drama. You know, it's almost like the, the planets are like a family. So it's always changing. So sometimes this aunt gets along very well with this grandmother, but this grandmother really hates the other grandmother. And the mother-in-law suddenly is in love with this daughter-in-law because the other daughter-in-law eh, gossiped about her terrible thing. So there's always something happening with the planets. That's why I kind of think it's a celestial soap opera. But anyway, tomorrow, uh, on Monday, the 25th, we have Venus and Neptune sending beautiful energy. So that means that art and mysticism are hugging each other. There is some kind of connection on a soul level between the people. So that's actually a very, very good, it's very good news. And because the Black Moon is busy being nice... We actually have an interesting day tomorrow of much more flow and harmony, which is, again, really good. 
What we also have, which is interesting, is uh, this year, in uh, 2024 coming up, Chiron and the North Node are going to come together. It's going to come around February, but that's a big deal because it's very rare that they come together. And when they do come together, there's a great deal of healing. Either you find a healing a modality that works for you, or you become a healer. There's a very strong connection to shamanism, strong connection to uh, being able to let go, especially of issues with your own identity, which is so important because Chiron is, is kind of bringing a lot of, let's say, injuries that are or wounds that relates to Aries but also healing it while the North Node the dragon once in 19 years is in Aries giving us a way to ride the dragon in a good way especially next year uh, when it's going to fall actually in the year of the dragon so we're going to have the year of the dragon wood dragon we'll talk about it later and then we're going to have North Node on top of Chiron in February why well, I'm saying it right now because we're getting this week on the on the 27th of um, December to the full moon in Cancer and Leo. I mean, it's going to be the full moon in Cancer, but it's happening while we are the sun in Capricorn. So there's going to be a lot of healing on the level of the mother and the father, the family. So a lot of cardinal signs are happening. So what it means is that we have the last full moon of 2023 coming up this week, which is an up time to really let go of things that you don't need anymore. So you don't have to bring it with you and drag it into 2024. We have enough stuff in 2024. You don't have to bring more uh, to the table. So that's going to be, again, December 27. We'll get to it in a second. But that preparation is already starting in December 25. And December 25 is the, the, uh, the day that is associated with the old celebrations of the invincible sun. It was the religion that competed with Christianity in the first few uh, centuries of the Roman Empire. And it is representing December 25, a time where the undefeated sun, I think for all of us, it represents the undefeated higher self, our undefeated, you can say, guardian angel, the one that is with us. Undefeated meaning that it cannot die and it cannot change. It's always there with you. You might go up and down with your moods, but they're already there. They're there supporting us. So again, December 25 is a very important date. It used to be the solstice back then. And because, of course, uh, the wobble, I think I, I made a little video about it in the past, because the Earth has its own wobble of 23 degrees, it's tilted, it has the grand year, and because of that, the have the, we have the precession of the equinoxes and, of course, of the solstice. So they change from the 21st to the 25th, but or from the 25th to the 21st, sorry, the other direction. But again, what we have uh, next week, uh, the, tomorrow is a beautiful flow for your Christmas, so... I think it's great. There's a lot of gifts waiting for you under the Christmas tree or under the tree of life, which is the source of Christmas, or Yggdrasil, the great tree of the Norse tradition. If we go to December 26, uh, you know, the day after, we have Chiron stationary. So literally after the day, the, the uh, after Christmas, the 26th, Chiron is standing still. He's going to be there on the 26th and 27th. And then on the 28th, he's going direct, which is great because it means that the healer, is work, is, the ambulance is driving straight forward instead of reverse when it's trying to reach us in the case of emergency. So Chiron is going to go forward in 2024, at least in the beginning. And that's really good. So a lot of our insecurities, a lot of our issues, again, with identity, with who we are, who we need to be, what is expected of us, that was difficult in the last few months because of Chiron going backward. Now he's going to go direct. And like I told you, he's going to 
move forward in February to touch uh, the North Node and create a great deal of healing right around Valentine's. So that's what we have with um, Chiron. Again, Chiron stationary, the 26, 27. It's a good time to stand still and find out and really communicate with your injuries, with your wounds. Uh, I know it sounds kind of silly, but to talk to them because quite frankly, they're going to listen. So if there's any pain, if there's any issues with your body, with your identity, with your sense of direction, with your leader, could be even your boss or anybody like that, that caused any kind of difficulties in your life, that's actually a great day to communicate. Uh, We have the moon in Gemini touching Vesta. That's, again, very good for people who are going to still be with their family 25th, 26th, because the moon in Gemini during Christmas the 25th of uh, December, 26th of December is really good for communication and coming together, flow of communication. And the only problem with the 26th, 27th is we have that full moon. Full moon, mother, father are opposite to each other, can create a little bit more struggles. December 27, we have the moon moving into Cancer, and that's when we have the full moon in Cancer. And the full moon in Cancer is actually going to fall right on the border between December 27 and 28. So it really depends where you are in the world. Uh, I'll let you know the Sabian symbol in a second. We have Chiron stationary in Aries. It's a cardinal sign. The sun is in Capricorn, cardinal sign. The moon is in Cancer, cardinal sign. And the south node and the north node are in Aries and Libra, cardinal sign. What is cardinal? It's not a lot of time. A lot of people with like funny hats. The cardinal represents initiation pushing things forward. So that's a day where actually some of us are going to come back to work. It's a day where things are moving forward. It's a a good day to initiate things, even though it's a full moon, even though it's Mercury retrograde in exile, even though Venus is in exile, um, the moon is happy. So the moon, the full moon in Cancer, it's not necessarily a difficult moon, even though, again, if you're still with your family, mother, father issues can come up. Uh, but still, it is representing the end. The, really, the year ends on December 27. 28, 29, 30, 31 is kind of like just um, getting the garbage out. But it's really the end of the year because it's the last full moon representing completion. And because it's in Cancer, home, family, there could be something ending in the context of your family or your home. So in that sense, it's really good. The only thing about Mercury and Mars, they're coming together pretty aggressively because Mercury is going reverse, Mars is going forward. It's like a collision. And Mars isn't Sagittarius, so he feels strong. Mercury is in exile. It doesn't feel very strong. And Mercury is a trickster. So when he doesn't feel very strong, he might start lying. He might spread disinformation. He might say, no, I didn't bump into you. You bumped into me. What are you talking about? Even though it was his fault because he's going backward. Anyway, Mars and Mercury uh, conjunct right on Wednesday And it's going to be also pretty strong on Thursday. We'll see it in a second. So the full moon and Mercury and Mars are kind of colliding. Mercury and Mars colliding means that you have to really be careful what you say, what you write, what you text, what you send out there. Because the message might be completely skewed. The philosophy might be a little bit off. So just be a little bit careful, especially because we have Mercury retrograde in a fire sign. Mars is in a fire sign. And like we said, Chiron is stationary. So stationary mainly may be that, you know, Mars is the warrior um, and Chiron, the, the teacher, is in the cave and he's kind of stuck there. He doesn't want to come out. So wait until Thursday if you need to initiate certain things. 
We have the moon again in Cancer. It's going to be in Wednesday, Thursday, a little bit in Friday. It's actually, again, not too bad about uh, family, uh, real estate, home, feeling. But again, I don't want you to do too many things because it's the end of the year. It's Mercury retrograde. And it's not only a Mercury retrograde. It's a Mercury retrograde in Sagittarius, which again is in exile and creates quite a lot of tension and challenges, especially when he's on top of Mars. December 28th, it's a Thursday we have, again, the moon in Cancer. The only thing is that she sh shifted uh, from being opposite to the sun, which was the full moon, that was on Wednesday, into uh, opposition to Pluto. There could be some power struggles, manipulations. So be extra careful on top of everything. Like we said, Mercury and Mars are conjunct, but at least they passed the conjunction. So Mercury is kind of like, bye-bye, I'm, I'm reversing from here. And Mars is going to go forward until he reaches his uh, exaltation, which we really are going to wait for. And it's going to be really good. That's going to be next week. But the idea is that uh, Mercury is still retrograding. The Sun and Jupiter are still in, in trine. So that's really good. Um, and even the Sun and the Black Moon are having a good time. So it's almost as if the Black Moon is, is under uh, control in a sense. And the good news about uh, Thursday is we have a beautiful trine. We have a trine between um, Neptune, Venus, and the Moon. Very feminine energy. Very engulfing energy very mystical very connected to intuition gut feelings healing so thursday is a great day to heal whatever went wrong on wednesday and tuesday so if there's something going on in the full moon you had a big fight thursday can represent a time that there is some uh, coming together there is some kind of good energy replacing all of that negativity and because it is uh, in a trine of water just Try to spend more time in water. Submerge yourself in the tub if you can. Um, do something that represents feeling or, or even try to speak more with I feel. But again, it's interesting that Mercury, the intellect, is in exile. He's not doing very well. And even more, he's weak because he's retrograde. So it's almost as if our mind is a little bit foggy or confused, which allows the emotions and the feelings to flow much, much better. The only thing is that Neptune and Mars are squaring a little bit of deception and illusion. So don't use your intellect too much at that time, you know, when you're trying to say good, uh, sorry or forgiveness and acceptance and compassion and, and Reiki and healing and breath work. Great. Um, not too much intellectual work. Don't sign any documents and don't buy anything very significant because there's a little bit of deception, illusions, and the negative aspects of Mercury might try to trick you or to cause trouble. So a little bit careful with that. Uh, but besides that, we also have Saturn uh, sending really nice energy to Vesta. Vesta is the goddess of the hearth, the keeper of the flame. It's home, family. That also is very good. And the fact that the moon, again, and Venus and Neptune are trining, it talks about a feeling of purpose, a feeling of connection. So we have beautiful six-pointed star in um, Thursday, which is an alchemy perfection because the earth element and the water element are coming together in a good, good way. So it's very, very feminine, receptive, and the ability to heal, to hug, to embrace, and to nurture. Friday, December 21, 
We have the Mercury and Mars separating even further. Like I told you, Mercury is hit reverse and he's, he's going away. He's traveling someplace. He probably is completely lost. The GPS is not working for him anyway. And uh, we have that, con that opposition between the moon and Pluto breaking apart because the moon is moving into Leo and we're moving a little bit more into fire. Uh, the moon is still happy with um, Venus because Venus is about to move into Sagittarius, another fire sign. So around the end of the year, we're moving from more water into fire. We have um, Jupiter. Yeah, Jupiter is still trining, but not as strong with the sun. But what we still have is that beautiful connection between Venus and Neptune. That's still going on. Uh, the moon in Leo just brings a little bit more fire, more energy, more creativity. Uh, but again, because it's a little bit opposite to Pluto, be a little bit careful of power struggles and manipulation. And uh, it's a good time to basically reclaim your energy of power. But there might be a little bit more difficulties with uh, some um, people in the family. So just be a little bit more careful on Friday. It might not be the best day to date uh, because there is a square between Venus and, Nep and Saturn uh, forming. It's going to be very strong towards the next, uh, next week. Saturday, December 30th, uh, we have Venus moving into Sagittarius. So definitely the, the move towards fire is complete. We have the moon in Leo in fire, the Mercury and Mars in, in Sagittarius and Venus in Sagittarius fire. We have the North Node in Aries fire. And what we have also is Jupiter stationary. So Jupiter is going to be stationary the last two days of the year, which is actually kind of great because right on this on January 1st, we're going to have Merc Jupiter go direct. And that's bringing a lot of new gifts into 2024. So for me, symbolically speaking, Jupiter was going retrograde for a while now, a few months, holding back a lot of the fortune, a lot of the positive energies that were done behind the scenes. And then stationary the last two days of the year almost like he's kind of um, uh, collecting everything organizing everything and then on January 1st he's going direct uh, interestingly enough Mercury is also gonna not go direct but at least stationary on January 1st and January 2nd and it's kind of interesting because uh, January 3rd is when Mercury is going completely direct but what we have on Saturday, December 30th is Jupiter stationary, which is not too bad at the end of the year. It just means that some of your gifts are withheld again, uh, processed in a sense. It's almost as if, yes, you got the program. It's downloading, but you can't use it yet. But at least you can see it's downloading and that indicator is showing that it's getting to the point that it's almost ready, but we're going to have to reboot the system on January 1st. So Venus in Sagittarius is going to be with us for three weeks or so, four weeks. Venus in Sagittarius is happy. She's traveling. Uh, she's connecting to exotic foods and exotic people and exotic uh, locations. So Venus in Sagittarius is great for traveling if you plan to travel at the end of the year. And uh, anything to do with connection with foreigners, foreign cultures, foreign traditions. And Venus and Pluto are sending beautiful energy to each other. In fact, Pluto is kind of happy at the end, the last two days of the year. Uh, there is only a sextile to Venus. Nobody else is bothering him. The moon is again in Leo, still fun energy that's moving forward, uh, which is great. And the moon is sending a beautiful line towards the towards Chiron and the North Node again, creating quite a lot of very positive healing for us. So that's on Saturday, December 30th. And then the energy shifts next Sunday, December 31st, the last day of the year. Of course, we'll meet and we'll talk a little bit about what's going on for those of you who will be here, because I know that some of you guys will celebrate. 
as normal people should, you know, the end of one year, beginning of the next year. But we'll celebrate it all together here. And the moon in Virgo is going to be very much about getting things done, even though it's December 31. You know, but Venus and Mer no, the moon is sending beautiful energy to the sun. That's always good. So the year ends with a nice note, in a sense, from the moon. Uh, and it's going to be creating a trine with Jupiter and the sun and the moon. Really positive. It's almost as if mother and father are having a good time. And when that happens. We're always happy. And the moon in Virgo is going to be for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. We're beginning the year with the moon in Virgo, which is actually meaning, at least symbolically, that we're starting the year with the attempt to be healthier, happier, uh, maybe more connected to diet, health, service. So it's going to be a year where we need to serve and the language of love should be service, doing things for people uh, that they might not be able to do or want to do that you can do easier. So again, Jupiter is stationary, ain't moving nowhere, but it's sending a beautiful trine to the sun and a beautiful trine to the moon, which really helps us quite a lot. And Mercury is still going to be in Sagittarius at retrograde. We'll talk about it. And Mars will be moving next week into Capricorn, his signs of exaltation. So it will be starting the year in a good flow of energy. And a lot of the planets that were retrograde are starting to move direct. I think that Uranus is going to be the only one left after January 3rd. And the rest of the planets are going to be moving forward, at least for a while. So that's what we have for next week. Now let's look at some other things and see what is going on. Yeah, for um, and by the way, for the guys in London, I'm doing the two workshops. I told you before, uh, we're going to have, we changed one of the workshops uh, for the guided meditation. Uh, like I wanted to do something more about meditation for the new year. So we're going to do in London on January 28th from 4 to 6 a webinar that is also a webinar also in person and it's going to be about connecting to your power because when I looked at the year the most important thing happening in 2024 is Pluto the planet of power moving from Capricorn to Aquarius that's already going to happen in January 20th and it's going to lead us until September so I figured we should do a class that has to do with power and that's the um, time travel meditation and also how to connect to your power and how to connect to Pluto shifting from one sign to the other. It's a webinar. It's going to be a recording if it's a terrible time for you. And also we're going to do, of course, the 20, 2024 class online in London and also in person. And if you are in Tel Aviv, Berlin, Budapest, Edinburgh, London, Istanbul, I'm going to travel in those places. And also in Sofia, if you're going to be, we added a new workshop about family constellation meets astrology, which is going to be really fun uh, because we're going to talk with about ancestral uh, karma. So a few things I wanted to um, uh, talk about. First of all, I kind of recognized something interesting when I was talking to my friend about the moon because we we're talking about a movie that he's making about a certain character. And I tried to help him with the story. And then suddenly I realized that there is this story always about the hero or the heroine that wants to bring the moon or the sun to their, uh, to their tribe, to their um, family, to their people. So it's a very old archetype of the uh, going to the darkness to retrieve the sun. And then I thought the best time to actually retrieve the sun will be in the solstice, which we just have now, right? Because the sun goes not that high, so it can... You can actually fly and almost touch it. So 
from the point that of thinking that it's terrible that the sun doesn't rise all the way up and comes all the way down, uh, the terribleness of uh, seasonal affective disorder, the winter blues, etc., and all those times that, you know, the in Mesoamerica that they used to sacrifice people and plunk their hearts off and throw blood all over to persuade the sun to rise higher after the solstice. When you think about it a little bit differently, you suddenly realize, wait, maybe it's the sun not wanting to go so high so it can be closer to us. And the only way it can do it is by not rising all the way up, rising in the, a little bit and then sinking. What can we do? It's days. So the way for us to connect to our higher self, like we talked about, is the gateway of the gods. Maybe the gateways of the gods, it's some kind of an echo, an old memory of uh, how the sun during the solstice, in the winter solstice, is close enough to the earth for us to plunk it, for us to feel it, even though it's kind of cold. So I think that that's one of the reasons why the solstice was so, so powerful and why it was considered to be the gateway of the gods and why it was the day where Apollo, Artemis, Osiris, Atis, Marduk, uh, Horus were born at that time. So that was just one thought that I had. Another thing that I had is a, a, a very good example of not to open your mouth to the devil. It's called in Hebrew. But anyway, what was going on, I think that some of you might have... Um, a, saw the video I made about Mercury retrograde because I remember I said to my friend in Sofia, you know, this Mercury retrograde is kind of easy. I don't know. Nothing really happened. I had to schedule things from uh, Turkey and, so, and and Bulgaria and cross the, the calendars and everything. And it was great. I managed to do it effortlessly. I mean, of course, I had a lot of help from really dedicated people to do that. But still, you would expect some hiccups or some double booking Everything was perfect. Nobody canceled. Great. And then my brother told me, I'm picking you up tomorrow in the, um, from the airport. It was uh, December 21. I said, okay, great. I'm going to land in Tel Aviv right on the solstice. Very auspicious. And then I look at the ticket to actually give him the time that I'm landing. And it said, thank you for choosing Fly Alal. Your flight is scheduled to January 22nd. I said, I can't believe this. I actually booked it for a month later, a wrong month supposed to be December 22nd. It was night, really late at night. I kind of had to get up and start talking to uh, this technical support, that support, this support. Uh, they passed me to Philippines, back to New York, then to Tel Aviv. Craziness. Obviously, I'm now in Tel Aviv, so I managed to do it in Sunday because Elal doesn't fly on Saturday. But then I thought it's really interesting because sometimes our intuition works in conjunction with Mercury retrograde because that's the moral of the story. What I'm trying to say is that sometimes our intuition comes to us through action rather than an insight or a thought or a precognitive dream or a meditation where you have a, a very loud thought, I would call it, or, or a voice or whatever it is that you use for your intuition. Sometimes it's about doing. And I remember my friend Laura Day one time told me about how before 9-11, she found herself buying a lot of toilet paper and, and, and deciding to go out of the city for some reason. And she didn't really know why. It was like a strange reaction. She just did it. And that was her intuition. So the same thing with what happened here, because I know, I know Sophia, it's almost as if we're married together for 19 years almost. I think I came to the first time in my nodal uh, return. That happens every 19 years. So I'm 19 years coming to Sofia. And I love Sofia. There's a lot of great people there. But, you know, sometimes I come there and I have the jet lag and I have that kind of separation from LA in the beginning of the journey. It's kind of like takes time to, to move, the, move the, the wheels. And this time round, because I had to stay longer, actually, 
because of different reasons, not because of this situation, I could say that I really fell in love with Sofia. Suddenly I realized I really love Sofia and I love the people there. And everything was going so well, again, because of this Mercury retrograde, so well that I thought that there is no Mercury retrograde besides this. But it's almost as if when I booked this ticket weeks ago, I could tell intuitively that I'm going to enjoy it enough to stay longer. That from now on, I should stay in Sofia longer. Not like six days, come in a storm and live in a storm. Yet I should pace with the right moment, movement of that city. And when I did it this time around, slow down, do it more, spend more time here. Suddenly, I opened my heart and the city opened its heart to me. To the point that I was really sad that I left. You know, usually I'm moving from one place to the other. I don't have any emotion of sadness or, or happiness. I just go, you know. And this time, it was almost as if I'm leaving home in a sense. So it's interesting how sometimes the Mercury retrograde, inst- I, and I remember when that happened, immediately I recognized, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. It's kind of on the nose. I understand. I love Sophia. I wanted to stay here longer. I understand a month is a little bit hysterical, but okay, you know, I get it. I'm going to change the ticket. Maybe they'll tell me to stay three weeks more, two weeks more. It happened two days. Great, because I have family here and I should be here also. But when Mercury retrograde happened and pisses you off, you're in the wrong coffee shop, you're in the wrong place, you're in the wrong time. You have to kind of breathe deeply. Mercury is, after all, the ruler of uh, Gemini, the lungs. And ask yourself, wait, wait, why am I here? Why am I in the wrong Starbucks? Why am I in the wrong time? Maybe I'm supposed to do something here. Maybe there is a message somewhere for me that Mercury tricked me, the trickster, to be here in this space and time to do it and to experience it. So before you judge Mercury... Try to see what is he really trying to tell you. Where are you supposed to really meet? Maybe your other meeting is not the real meeting that Mercury planned for you. Mercury retro in Sagittarius. He doesn't like to be retrograde A, and he doesn't like to be in Sagittarius. We talked about it. It's the farthest sign from Gemini, which he rules. So Mercury doesn't like to be in Pisces, further away from Virgo. Doesn't like to be in Sagittarius, further away from um, Gemini, and it's kind of interesting that Gemini and Virgo are squares. And also, it's interesting that Sagittarius and Pisces are squares. It's not by coincidence because it's an opposition. They create a cross together. So, for the next few weeks, until Mercury goes out of Sagittarius into Capricorn, we just have to be a little bit careful of skewed philosophies, disinformation, not the best time to um, publish anything, of course, not only because it's Mercury in retrograde, but also because it is in Sagittarius. So just be a little bit careful. Everything you call truth might be off the next few weeks. The full moon is going to be right on December 27 at 12.34 a.m. in London time. And the Sabian symbol is an automobile wrecked by a train. Lovely. You know, it's funny, I, I, I didn't even notice it, but this is precisely what's happening with that description of Mercury, a retrograde colliding with Mars right on that same day. So maybe there will be some accidents. So if you're driving, really be careful on December 27. Um, even if you're not driving, if you're moving anywhere, I mean, train, train, ra- train, automobiles. At the, at the time that the Sabian symbols were created, those were the means of transportation. Now it's more more, tr- more flights and, and, and other means. So just be aware that the Sabian symbol is warning us about colliding energies of movement ra- while Mercury is retrograde. Uh, into Mars who's going direct so literally it's a collision course so be extra careful like we said December 27 
And uh, another thing that I wanted to um, uh, share, was there another thing I wanted to share? Yeah, I think that that's the main important things. So again, uh, I think this week with the full moon is definitely pretty intense. I know that um, most of you are going to listen to this later on. And Christmas. Christmas is a very uh, interesting holiday. I told you it's based on the invisible sun. Uh, not invisible because we can't see. Invincible. Uh, we cannot defeat. Uh, the uh, sun that never disappears in a sense. Which is, uh, thank God, the same the case. Because if the sun does disappear for some reason, it's not a matter of this religion or that religion. The earth will just not be. But uh, at the Roman Empire time, that was the, let's say, the religion that was favored by the generals, the warriors, and the armies, while the women and the poor actually favored Christianity because it was much more open to charity and more open for that feeling of society. We see that difference if you ever watch the movie um, The Gladiator, where he's constantly forced into the battlefields while what he really want to do is spend time with his wife in his land, be more of that uh, that kind of archetype. So... Um, we have now in Christmas, basically, people ask me why I say that Jesus was an Aries. I think we did a, quite a lot of segments about that. That's most likely, uh, most people believe he was born on April 17, hence he's an Aries. And it does make sense, you know, if you think about what John said, I baptize you with water, but the one after me, the true one, will baptize you with fire. And also, if you think about the money exchangers by the temple in Jerusalem, it's probably the most profitable um, profession at that time and I'm sure that it attracted quite a lot of very burly guys and for him to come and just flip those tables around with a gang of 12 guys you know it sounds more like an Aries than any other sign and considering the fact that we have no indication of where he was born just the planets and the astrologers that uh, the wise men that came to um, announce him and the fact that we know that uh, the shearing was done around that time it was not done in winter and it does not make sense uh, the whole censor thing is, is made up it's not true but what is probably the case is that 350 years after he died, the church decided that it's impossible to fight with these pagans and their holidays. If you can't beat them, join them. So they brought a Jesus out of Aries land and planted him in Capricorn along with Apollo, Artemis and the rest of the gods so he can overshadow them in a sense. And since uh, the early church did not know at all where he was born, suddenly 350 years later, they decided they know when he was born. But again, it's all about mythology and what it really represents. And they basically brought him that um, he's brought them basically to get to be in part with the rest of the gods of light. Because remember, we talked last week about the the, uh, solstice being a point where the goddess is full with the child of light and it's born. As for uh, the Pisces, no. What's happening with Aries is that, sorry, with Jesus, that he started the age of Pisces. And that's one of the reasons why the church is represented by the fish. But indeed, he told them that he, most of the people that also he got as um, followers, as the apostles, are people that were illiterate and they were people that were farmers, they were carpenters, they were fishers, because don't forget that Galilee, where the area where uh, Jesus was walking around and his ministry, at least in the beginning, is basically very close to the Sea of Galilee, where most of the people there were fishermen. So, but the fish is much more about the age of Pisces that begins with uh, the beginning of Christianity. But it's not like 
Christianity started it because if you think Judaism as a religion really started then in the first century uh, CE. That's most of the scholars believe because before that it was more like a national thing. It wasn't necessarily a religion. But when Rome destroyed uh, Jerusalem, but it's really the Jews that destroyed it, but that's a different story. Then when there was the diaspora, that's when Judaism, the way we know it right now, the synagogues and rabbis actually started. Of course, then Islam joined 600 years later. Christianity, even Buddhism. You know, the first 500 years of Buddhism, when it was still in the age of Aries, he was not portrayed. It was maybe portrayed as a tree or uh, as a symbol. But starting from around zero or so, we have the, the bigger boat, and then suddenly we have images uh, of the Buddha. So, again, it was a nice Aries. And um, also the whole concept of sacrificial lamb. Think about it. What sign is the lamb? It's, of course... A baby Aries, a baby ram, that eventually was supposed to get um, to a ram. But, you know, sacrificial lambs sometimes die before that happens. So, it uh, doesn't mean that you can't have a beautiful Christmas. Because Christmas, the tree, the tree, the whole idea about the tree is to try to bring in the green. Because, obviously, where, the celebra- where they brought the, the tree. And, by the way, Queen Victoria is the one that made the tree very popular, especially in America. So everybody was following her. She had this, like, he, she and Albert had this little tiny tree that they decorated, and it became very, very popular. They think that maybe during the time of the Reformation, it, Reformation, it became more popular. But the idea of celebrating the green tree, the Everett tree, uh, during this period is because the rest of the tree shed their leaves. And that represented, the pine tree represented the strength. Pine is ruled by Mars, by the way. And it represents the strength of the green in spite of the winter. So that's the continuation of life, even though the rest of the plants and the birds, bears pretend to die or sleep, the tree remains. So if it's not green out, let's bring the green in, in a sense. They say that the colors and all these, um, uh, let's say the, uh, the lights that you put on the tree... They say that Martin Luther, when he was walking home in Christmas and looked up through the trees, through the pines, he could see the stars. And that gave him the idea to maybe decorate the tree with uh, little lights. Um, So again, stories, myth, I don't really know. But the beautiful thing is that it's the celebration of light. It doesn't matter if you light uh, candles on your Hanukkah, on on the menorah, uh, and if you you connect it to the dedication of the temple and all that story, or if it relates to the sun, invincible sun, that even though the sun looks like it's having a hard time, don't worry, it's going to be there, it's going to grow, or it relates to Yule, or if it relates to um, any celebration. But the idea is that we are now being, in many ways, the God part of us is being reborn. Your kundalini is starting to rise. You can look at it like that as well. Your connection to your higher self is being uh, strengthened, in a sense. So even if it is a time of sadness and downness because of the winter, don't worry. There is a plug coming, and there is electricity coming, and there is light. Uh, from tomorrow, from, Actually, already. In the Northern Hemisphere, if you noticed, even though it's hard to tell, the nights are getting shorter and the days are getting uh, stronger. Days are getting longer. So I wish you a Merry Christmas. That's basically what I wanted to say. I don't know why I talk so much. Uh, Merry Christmas to all of you guys. And thanks for joining in person and thanks for listening to it after if you um, do. I hope you have a beautiful end of the year and a beautiful full moon. And I will see you someplace in the world, I hope. And sending you much love from Tel Aviv.